Yeah, I wanted to ask you a question, um, Donnie. What do you do with your money? Um, I do a couple of things. Like when you make money, is there like a, a thing that you do? Is there a thing? Like a I specific do? formula. Yeah. So when I make money and I have my formula, because I have to look at this every single month, but I'll tell really? you exactly what I do. Yep. Because I never remember it. Um, first of all, 15%, I pay myself. So I do know that part. Um, on the 1st and the 15th. So your in, do your income change every month yeah. or every week almost? Like if you get paid, you get paid every day. I pay myself on the 1st and 15th. So from the 1st to 15th, whatever you make, you take 15% of that. Mm -hmm. You pay yourself gross? I pay myself off revenue. Oh, gross? Mm hmm Hmm, okay. Yep. So I follow the profit first model. And I think it's one of the easiest and most responsible models to follow financially. So when we're talking about number one, what do I do with my money once I make it? The first thing that I do is allocate it appropriately. So um, I have several bank accounts and in all of my money goes into my main income account. So from that main income account, then I start to divvy up the funds. So 20% of all of my deposits that I get from Stripe or um, the podcast or whatever we're getting, 20% of that goes into what's called my profit account, right? That's usually the money where I can make some decisions. We, mm -hmm. can, we can decide on some purchases or some investments. So that's, that's personal. You're talking about 20% of the 15%. Nope. So we're talking about 100% of the money. Yes. All of the money goes into a revenue account, right? Yes. In the main income account. 20% yeah. of that goes into a profit account, which is a savings account. Okay. So I take twenty percent. Okay. So we got eighty percent left. Okay. The next is my tax account. Fifteen percent of my gross income goes into my tax account. Got it. Okay, which is also a savings account. Then I have my operating account, which is fifty percent. Um, fifty percent of everything that goes comes in goes into my operating account. That is the account that I that I use to pay all of the expenses for the business. I don't care if somebody did a flyer or if it's payroll or system. All of that goes there. Um, and then I pay myself 15%, which goes into my personal account. I see. So that the 20% profit account that when you say you could do some things in terms of investing. Yep. So now when we're having conversations like let's buy these businesses, right. investing in the hedge fund, I check my profit account because that's, that's extra money. So like the money that we invested into the hedge fund that came from my profit account, mm -hmm. um, we're about to purchase a business together, whatever we don't have in our account, any extra of my contribution is coming from my profit account. I see. Okay. And, and me and Donnie, we have an account where we do like joint things and we make money together. And um, so it's we're- lit too. It's lit too. It's lit. It's up. It's really, really cool, man, to watch it grow. And y'all need to start making some money with your friends. Yes. You know what I mean? And we, we haven't like spent it. It's like we do some things together and it just goes into that account. I don't even know how, I mean, I know kind of six figures how much, but like we don't even touch it. And we have like some flexibility to do some things and it's like an extra thing. So I think if I was, if y'all have some friends or business partners and y'all just create a little stream of income together that just goes into the account that y'all can flip. So right now we, we interview Snoop and we're looking at salon suites. Mm -hmm. What, what, I, what I would say is, I, and I know this for a fact because I study finance, I study the economy, recessions are the time for people to make the most money mm. if you position yourself. So here's a concept I want everybody to try to adopt. We've always been taught to have an emergency fund, right? 
the, the term emergency puts you in a scarcity mass off the cuff. <laughs> it's an emergency fund, right? And I'm not saying anybody shouldn't have an emergency fund. You want to have your, 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 your basis covered. But what about having an opportunity fund? Mm-hmm. I like that. You're talking so, good. Right. So now you have money set aside to take advantage of an opportunity if it persists, mm-hmm. right? One of the things I love about hanging with Dion, Dion, like hanging around him, I find, I, I stumble upon money. Yeah. Like from a funding <laughs> standpoint, 20,000 this bank, 50,000, I'm just stacking my funding ability so that if a recession does happen, I have an opportunity fund and I'm able to take advantage of something versus being a victim of something. Okay, mm-hmm. I like it, I like mm-hmm. it, I like it. So it's not like you're closing your eyes saying, it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. You're saying, it's not gonna kill me, come on, I'm ready for you. I'm ready yeah. for you. And I think we should be training, like the be- like right now, if it is a recession, you should be doing everything you can to get information, to get knowledge, to get access to funds, so that if it does happen, you can take advantage of it and not become a victim of it. So one of the things, reason we're getting together, and we, uh, we'll t- talk about it more later, but we're giving people opportunity to tap in with us. I'm about to talk about it now. Talk about it now? Yeah, talk about it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we're doing uh, a challenge called Get the Back, Keep the Back Challenge, right? It's going to be in January and we're going to teach people how to get as much, how to fix their credit, get as much funding as they possibly can. And I'm going to teach how to use that funding within their business to take advantage of opportunities, not just take advantage of opportunities, but take advantage of opportunities that also make them more money and help them save on taxes. Mm. Right. Mm. Because if we are, if we do have a recession approaching, I want you to have that opportunity fund ready. So you can be like, yo, that recession was the biggest opportunity that took me and my family from generation of poverty to generation of wealth. I love it. All right. Wrapping back around to my first question, harder to make money or harder to keep it. Right. But we just talked, but I think you need to understand both. Mm -hmm. Right. They're both not, they're both not like easy, simple, maybe Mm -hmm. like it's like one, two, three step, but not easy necessarily. So we talked about kind of like the five things that it's going to take to make a bunch of money. So I think, in respect, we kind of got to talk about five things to help you keep it. So I'll let you start one. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll make the easiest one. The, one of the easiest ways. You to- might as well just give us three because this is, <laughs> this, this is, is bad, yo. Yeah. Just, just give us all, just give us three. Okay. <laughs> okay. I give one, you give one. He gives oh, yeah, three. For sure, for sure. <laughs> How about you just give five and then we'll just help him out. Get some bonuses. <laughs> we, got, we got bonuses. Go for it. Go for it. What are the five, top five pieces of advice you would give someone to help them save all this money they're going to make? Okay, well taxes is everybody's number one expense. The average person pays 51% of their lifetime income in taxes. That's the equivalent of working for 12 months, but the first six months are for free. Dang. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's, and, and some, I hate that you put it like that. Golly. I just had to, I had to set the stage, right? Like if you've given 51% of your money away, you work in six months for free. So let me help you not do that, right? So one of the easiest ways to keep the money is to avoid paying taxes. One of the best ways to do that is to learn tax strategies that you can implement throughout the year to keep the money, right? So one of the easy- I'm sorry, real quick. Yeah. Avoid paying taxes or lower your liability? So tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance is legal. Tax avoidance, tax avoidance is finding legal ways to avoid paying taxes. Okay. Tax evasion is finding legal ways to avoid paying taxes. Hold so, on, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said, hold on. Tax evasion yep. is? Illegally doing things that evade your tax bill. Gotcha. Tax avoidance is using the tax code, leveraging it the, it the right way, because yeah. all the tax code is is a series of incentives for us to follow. Tax avoidance is using the tax code to find legal ways to avoid paying taxes. Okay. 
Right. I'm with that. One of the best ways to do that is to leverage business credit to take advantage of buying equipment like cars or buildings, which give you this thing called depreciation. Um, so I just bought a Lamborghini Urus and oh, this is good. So I, I bought a Lamborghini Urus using none of my money. The down payment was $50,000. I used my Amex card for the down payment. You can put a down, car yeah. down payment on a credit card? Yeah. So sure can. I did with my Discover. Yep. Word. Yep. Yeah. So now I'm using other people's money to, to put a down payment on a Urus. I'm getting points back for using that money. Yeah. Right. So that's number one. Number two, because of the IRS rule, I'm able to write off 100% of the cost of the Urus the year that I purchased it. So I'll, even though I only put $50,000 down, the car co cost a quarter million dollars. I get a $250,000 tax deduction this year for financing a car, not using any of my money. Mm. So now if I'm in the 50% tax rate, if I'm saving a quarter million dollars, I'm saving $125,000 in taxes, like dollar for dollar. I have $125,000 tax savings. Mm. Now of that $125,000, I'm gonna take 50 of that savings that I was gonna pay the IRS to pay my credit card back that I used for down payment. Gotcha. Now I just created $75,000 out of thin air by using other people's money to keep the back. Got it. Okay, mm. so first, first way of keeping the money is understanding how to avoid taxes or as much as you can. As much as you can. In tax, what's number two? Number two, um, the, 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 one of the easiest, the best things I've ever done um, to keep my money is this model called Profit First, where I allocate a percentage of all the money I make to separate accounts. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I, you know, 35, 40% of my money is reinvested into my business, right? Operating expenses. 10% um, of my money is going towards savings, 20% taxes. If you give your money a name or a title, you know where your money's going. If you don't give your money a name or a title, your money's gonna go where it decides to go. So I think that business owners need to, or anybody needs to allocate their money by a percentage basis. So that way it don't matter if you, it don't matter if you make 10,000 or 10 million, a, a certain percentage is allocated to all the goals for you. Let me ask you, is that money, does it like, okay, so say somebody buys something from you mm -hmm. for $100. Yep. The $100 goes in one bank account and then you pull 40 out and put it in somewhere else? Or do you have some sort of automated situation? Um, so I'll, I'll do it. I do it once a month. Uh, at the first of the month, I move all the money to the separate accounts, right? You can do it once a week. Um, that, I don't know of an automated system that'll move it for you, but- um, That should exist. It should exist. Hey, that might be an idea, bro. Yeah. Hey man, ask your developer. See if it, <laughs> <laughs> That would be ill yeah. if, like, if like through your Stripe or whatever, or you know, however your payment processor yeah. is, it comes in, but it splits it out yeah. into different accounts. That would be good. Dang. Yeah. That's the idea. That's All right, somebody else go. When I, when I worked the job, it used to be like that. I used to have it go into these, all my different accounts. Mm -hmm. So that way I didn't have to try to move money around. So, so whenever I got paid, I, it was boop, boop. It was percentages, boop, boop. Mm -hmm. But now I have it where I just have it where, because I got similar accounts like him set up, you know, the, the, uh, the savings accounts and all the retirement accounts. And I just have it where they just automatically, it's like an auto pay. It just comes out of my account going yes. into those accounts here. So, I mean, my checking, my personal checking does send money to my savings. And like, it's like an automatic, just kind of like draft or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I wish it was like percentage based somehow. So I, ha I have a young lady who, um, she handles all like my mutual funds, my brokerage accounts, my annuities and all of that. And it's just set up with like with American funds and all that. They just they just auto deduct like it's a bill. Mm. Like it just comes right out of the business account. Boom, go straight into whatever account it needs to go into. Mm, that's, that's a good gym right there. Pay, pay yourself like you pay your bills. Yes. 
Don't miss a payment. Yeah. I've been missing mad payments. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if we, if we paid our savings accounts, like we paid our bills, we'll all keep the money, keep, keep more of our money. Mm. Right. So I think that we need to pay ourselves like we pay bills and pay ourselves first and don't miss a payment. That can be like another way to keep more of your money by paying yourself first, paying yourself like a bill and you'll be good to go. That was a strong three. My one, and I got this from George. Um, and it was the, Oh my gosh. I actually looked this morning and it was disgusting. George said, uh, the number one way that kills people's wealth is food. Mm. If you think about how much you spend on food, mm. bro, I, so I was looking at my, and this is like one account. So I've, I've, I have a couple of business accounts that got personal or whatever, but my business expenses, which I guess I'm not super mad because you you need to write it off, but it's still a nasty number. It was like $43,000 I spent in 11 months on meals and entertainment. And that's all meals because I don't do entertainment like yeah. that. <laughs> So that's, that's why you say in December you're not you're not going to more no more no, restaurants. No, I'm not. No, that's why I made that announcement, bro. Mm. I'm not. Mm. I if we go out because I'll, I'll just like we all went out to eat. And my people's we just did the podcast. I'm gonna pay for it. Yeah. All right. Me and Reese go hang out. Me me and the team. I just I just pay for it. It's just what I do. Not this month, bro. That joint was crazy. <laughs> but think mm. about this: if you had forty thousand dollars, right, and I gave you a challenge. How much could you turn 40,000 to in six mm. months or a year? A lot, yeah. How much? Give me a number. Just if you had 40,000 that you had to flip a bunch of times for the year, how much would you turn into? At least, at least 250,000. At least a quarter. I was going to say about 210. Yeah. Bro. I think about seven times. I ate $250,000. That's how you're looking at it. Wow. I just ate it, bro. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. It's like I put a quarter million dollars on the table, got a knife and some butter and some yeah. ranch dressing and just started eating my, it's crazy. $40,000, $40, bro. It just, I just, I could, I could have made another 250. The question is that 250, what would I do with that next year? Mm. I ate millions. That's good. So, That's good. Thank you. I, I I hate that I had to learn the lesson to be <laughs> to have this understanding, but um yeah so food bro stop eating out so much stop going on dates try to get them to come to the crib and cook. <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to be trying to get married, bro. You telling me not to go on dates, man? That's crazy. Those are my single moves back in the day. Okay, we're just gonna come through and cook. Uh, so that would be my how to keep your money and not even just food, just frivolous spending. Yeah. And I know, Carter, you like to have a drink every now and again. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yo, that's Carter true. said, yo, when we go out, I'm getting a drink. He said, everywhere <laughs> I go, I'm going to get a drink. But some people just, they don't have the financial maturity to not. You make the money, so you do what you want, right? But there's some people, you too broke to drink. Mm. You too broke to be smoking. What's up with you? That's crazy. Uh, so that'll be mine. How do you keep the money? Give me one. I would say just like anything else, um, if we want to be successful, we get us a coach. Why not get a money coach? Ooh. Why not get somebody who can help manage the bag? That's good. That's good. That's probably what I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna hire I think I'm gonna hire George, my homie, to just manage. Cause if you have two people to get your finances, yeah. like Yeah. It, it's gonna check Four you. hours are better than one. Yeah. Like for me, for me to have a young lady who set up my accounts, like she like she was able to tell me, because this this not what I do. This is what she do. So she like, yo, when you turn 60, you're going to have one point over here. You're going to have three over. I was like, yeah, that, that's cool. 
Mm. You can keep taking whatever you need to take <laughs> and keep saving it. So that way, when I turn 60, when I just need some extra money, I got some extra money there. Like, I don't plan on going broke, but it's it's good to know that somebody is helping you plan and save for not only just your future, but for my baby's future. So I got three kids. I can't just be worried about me, you know? So it's a different game we playing right now. I love that. Yeah, I, I was actually, uh, I get all the game one morning meetup, but there was, uh, I have an acorns account. You got acorns? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love acorns. My, my acorns pace my, my travels. Yeah. Bro, I looked at it. This is my first time looking at it in a minute. From 2019, um, I looked at it today, and there's $17,000 in that joint. Wow. If somebody took $10 out of your account today, you're not going to notice it. Nope. Tomorrow, you're not going to notice it, right? I didn't even real. I don't know when I, at first, at one point, I had like the, the I had $5 going out of my account, mm -hmm. going to Acorns every day. Just $5, because I knew I wouldn't miss it. You know what I mean? And then it went into $10 every day. So it's nothing like super crazy. And then when I swipe my card, it rounds up to the nearest dollar. Yeah. So just having $10 out of my account going every day, which by the way, since 2019, I forgot about. And I just, I, and I had, to, it took me a while to log in. I'm like, dang, I don't know the password because I ain't been in it. I looked today and it, it shocked me, bro. It said $17,000 in that account. Yeah. Set my acorns back up on. Yo, set uh, it up. Ups. I only had five. Get I set the round up, back up. Yeah, ten dollars out of your account every yeah. day. Twenty dollars. I, I think I want to step let it up to twenty. Let really? Me, let me download this app too. Yo, it's crazy, bro. Yeah, this is and nice. okay, I got affiliate link. I think. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have acorns affiliate link. So everybody, calm down. Okay. okay. Um. Yes. Okay. So was that? That was five. That was fine. So we taught him how to make money and how to keep how it. How to keep it. Yeah. The two most important things for an entrepreneur. All right. I, I, I think um, it's cool that we're like even having this conversation because I think it's going to be really, really hard to grow a big business if you can't be a good steward over your money. And being prepared for opportunities. I don't, I don't say, me personally, I don't save money just to have it saved, just to see it. I save money to prepare to invest it in something. Mm -hmm. I will, me, I'll go broke. I'll go broke investing in stuff, yeah. right? So my my strategy now is I just want to take this kind of like, you know, whether it's digital money or whatever, because I don't know how, how long y'all going to be watching the podcast or how long I can teach or how long y'all going to like me. I don't know. Um, but you hear these like stories of people who are like super successful and I'm still trying to figure out how they lose it all. Yeah, I know one way. Oh. So I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and they were asking me about what I thought about them purchasing this new business and they'd already done it. They wanted my thoughts after the fact and they, you know, I'm asking, I'm walking them through the deal, walk me through the deal and they had to put down this big deposit on this building and I'm like, well, how'd you do the, how'd you make the deposit? Oh, I just gave them cash. You mean from your bank account? Yeah. And I said, um, how much money do you have in the bank? Well, I got $600,000 in the bank. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but why, what made you make the decision to leverage your own cash? Like how many times do we have to tell you that there is a such thing as good debt, right? And instead of putting your money down, let's just say it's $100,000 down payment on this property that you now have to renovate. Why wouldn't you get funding for that? Pay the funding back over time, right? Just for a short period of time. Let's say take out a $100,000 loan instead, pay it back, do your process. Maybe you make payments over time, let's say three, $4,000 a month for X amount of months. 
that's a much better position to be in while you're getting the building prepared to start generating cash flow. And then from the cash flow of another asset, you pay off the loan. Meanwhile, you have your $100,000 in the bank. So if things go awry and this business doesn't go the way that you anticipated it going, you didn't use any of your own money. That $100,000 on a bad business is lost forever. But in funding, you still have access to this money now to use and to try to come up with another idea, invest in something else different, right? So that you still have your, you still have your money. People are going broke because number one, they're leveraging too much of their own cash for growth. All right, so I'm about to go. Yeah, right, we get you a seat. Can we get him a seat? You want to sit there? Like, you sure? Let me see real quick. We're going to get you a seat. Um, well, I just, and I was, actually, I was, I wasn't going to like ahead. talk about it, but um, I kind of went against what you just said. And you always do. So, dang, I, I don't know what I, I want to talk about. Anyway, all right, I, I, we're here now. So, yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday, I paid off this whole building. I love it. Yesterday. <laughs> but I'm I'm almost I'm almost I don't want to I don't want to have too much money liquid because the only thing that money can do is like go away. It doesn't just sit in an account and kind of flip itself. So I'll give, I'll give y'all the whole, all right, I am talking about business. Okay. So I bought this building at a, um, I did it uh, owner financing, which what it looks like is I have, my taxes are filed now. Okay. But yeah. at the time I ain't filed my taxes in, in a couple of years. So judging me. No, okay. <laughs> I thought I was uh, <laughs> a gesture of judgment. All right. So, um, yeah. So for a little while. And I'm like, well, I want to buy something, but the bank isn't going to give me any money if you don't have any tax returns, right? So I'm looking, somebody informs me about owner financing. I'm like, oh, what's that? Well, they said the person who owns the property, they'll be the bank for you. Mm-hmm. So meaning you just pay them. And typically, a term is going to be something like uh, interest only for a certain amount of years and a balloon payment. So the way this building works is the guy, I, and I saw, it was, it was so crazy. I, did I manifest this? Let's talk about it. Good. Let's see. So the, I'm, I'm looking into this owner financing and I'm, I'm on loop that I'm looking at like these buildings and I'm like, hey, do y'all do owner financing, seller financing? And some people say no. Some people didn't know what I was talking about. But I'm driving by and I see a sign in the door that said owner finance. And I said, oh, this is perfect. Right around the corner from our other studio. So I called a guy and I said, um, I said, you know, what, well, you know, what do you want? He said, this is the amount. These are the terms. Terms are 10%. He wanted like 30% down. Mm-hmm. Interest only for five years with a balloon payment. What that looks like is, let's say, for instance, the building's $100,000. He wants thirty thousand down. Mm-hmm. The other seventy thousand, he'll hold that note for five years, but I'm paying only interest for five years, and then at the end of five years, I pay the seventy thousand, mm-hmm. which is an amazing model. Which for him, I want to buy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking at it for me. I'm like, yo. So you mean to tell me if I own a building outright, what I can do is I can take a certain amount of money down. And you pay me interest only for a certain amount of years. Most of the time, I think it was it was something like 70% of these deals or something like that. The person never pays off the loan. 
So this is what could happen. Let's say, let's say this, it wasn't a hundred thousand. I wish it was, but let's say for instance, um, the building is a hundred thousand. He wants 30,000 down up front. And then interest only is, let's say, I don't know, a thousand dollars a month for five years. I can give him the 30,000. I can give him a thousand dollars a month for like four years. And if I default on the loan, he takes the building back. Mm-hmm. He still owns it, but I paid him 30,000 plus a thousand a month for five years. Mm-hmm. Most of the times, the, the person never fulfills that obligation. Now, here's why you didn't not do what I suggested. Mm-hmm. So if you had, per- you, you've, you've had this building for how long? Uh, since October, he closed October, 2020. All right. So we were two years, two years into now. the building. If you had found the building and paid cash for it right away, mm-hmm. you would have been doing what I'm not suggesting. Yeah. But you financed the building first. You leveraged yeah. other people's money, his yeah. technically, and you made payments on it until you created another asset that will put you in a position to then pay it off. 100%. Right? And I'm like so invested in the spot. Yeah. And at, at this point, I'm paying him like, it was like $2,800 a month, interest only. Mm-hmm. So I paid this man $2,800. For two years. For two years, every month that didn't even touch the principal. Yeah. But that's that's the thing that I want. I don't want you guys to miss. We're talking about how do people go broke? Yeah. They keep dumping their own cash into liabilities exactly. without creating new assets via leveraging other yep. people's money. And then the other thing that you you kind of touched on it, the other reason that we go broke is because money depreciates. Your money does not appreciate. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel like, I remember my first time having $100,000 in the bank, I'm like, we just going to leave that thing right there. <laughs> <laughs> we said, like, I'm literally on the phone with my mom every day counting it down. Like, we made 15 today. Oh, we only made four today. We did mm-hmm. this. When it got to $100,000, like I took the whole, I took me, my mom, my daughter out to eat. I'm crying. I have tears. And I was so proud of this $100,000 sitting in the bank. Then I remember it being time to pay bills. And then, you know, I paid for three households. And so when I went to pay these bills, it went down to like, 80 something thousand dollars in the bank. And I'm like, "Mm, this doesn't last very long, right? So it was an indication to me that one, we got to make money faster. But two, I have to find a way to multiply the money that we have already. So once I got into a situation where I felt comfortable with having a reserve of living expenses, that's all you need. 12 months of your living expenses, your business operating expenses at most right now at the stage that we're in is what you need in the bank, right? Invest everything else. So since then, I have invested um, into things. And for example, taking that same $100,000, investing it in, in within three, four months, more than doubling that investment, it will never happen in the bank. Your bank loses, loses money. Your money loses value in the bank. You're paying bills from that same account. Like you can't keep taking away. If you put yourself in a position where you constantly have to be making money in order to like physically doing something to make money in order to have money, you're going to go broke. One day you're not going to be physically able or have the desire to do it. You've got to figure out how to diversify your portfolio financially on auto drive. And that's going to be through leveraging other people to build wealth for you. So then that's where investing in hedge funds come in. If you are skilled investing in the stock markets, 
um, investing in real estate. And I'm talking about like multifamily, like single family homes and things. That's great. That's a start. But getting some multifamily assets. So now you have many families contributing to that asset. Two things are happening. You're making revenue and cash flow every single month, but you're also buying down or paying down your uh, liability on this asset, this building now that you own. And then one day you flip that that building into another asset and buy another asset. Like it's a constant cycle of leveraging other people's money. And if you don't get that part right, we will go broke. I don't care how many millions you have. We see it all the time. And pay your taxes. Pay your freaking taxes because they're going to take it. For sure. Yeah, you know, I, I learned another lesson from this too because like, like Donnie said, like you want to, you don't want to like use your own cash. You want to leverage other cash and you have like this good debt. And I'm talking to all these people, even real estate professionals. They're like, yo, don't put that much money into the building. You could use that money and put it somewhere else. And I, I get it, but I, and, and, and I couldn't just take the advice because the advice didn't consider my own personal goals. And I think we hear stuff on social media and it's a blanket statement. So on the, bl- on the surface for the purpose of this podcast, yes, don't dump all your money into some investment because you can probably or dump all your money into a building because you can take that money and make more money. So at this, this building, the interest only was 7%, right? So I'm paying 7% and I'm telling my friend, I'm like, yo, I think I should pay it off because I don't want to pay this $2,800 a month anymore. Anymore, He said, well, if you take the money that you have right now, you can make more than $2,800 with it, right? I said, yeah, I can. You're right. So I'll just keep paying the $2,800. But I have different goals and a different vision for myself. I, I want like my, my hard costs outside of like employees and stuff like that. But like my next thing is I want to pay off the house and I don't have to have any debt at all. Yeah. And I think what's up podcaster or soon to be podcaster, get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools. You don't have the tips. You don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. 
And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal with in my mind i have to make twenty eight hundred dollars from this building every single month so that i break even but if i cannot have that on my brain, maybe it takes a little bit of like a little bit of like stress off of me mm-hmm. in my life. So like I want to now I got this whole vision where I don't owe anything. And maybe, maybe like other investments, obviously I'll have some debt. And then I started to consider this. If I own this building outright, I can always refinance with the bank and it'll give me 80% of the value. Mm-hmm. So really the money is just sitting there almost in like a savings account better than the bank. But in this scenario, I feel like I'm making an extra $2,800 because I don't have to pay it anymore because I just put the money into the building. But if I need the money to go invest in something else, I can refinance, take 80% out, take that money, put it into something else. Sure. So I'm like, I have to like you, I think we all have to have our own plan because everybody's plan isn't for you. It's not going to be based on your goals. That is that is true. And while that is true, there are just some really dumb financial decisions. That's a fact. And that's if fact. you had purchased this building outright cash, oh, I would have said, that's dumb. Yeah. We look at things like we see it on Instagram yeah, and it's like, oh, I just bought a house cash. And I'm looking like, what an idiot. <laughs> right? Like, why would you do that? Oh, I just bought this car cash. Why? Why? Man. You literally just lost money as soon as you sign that paper, before you even drive off the lot, you literally just lost money unless you're purchasing like an exotic that appreciates over time, right? Yeah. Or at least holds its value. Some decisions are just plain stupid. And I don't want people to miss while you're talking about injecting all this cash into this asset. I don't want people to miss the fact that before you did that, you leveraged somebody else, 100%. right? And you created another asset. Yeah. And that is so important because here's the thing, like for the average person, 
if you save up all this money, let's say you you manage to save a hundred thousand dollars and you know, we, we know you can't get much for a hundred thousand dollars in terms of real estate these days, but let's just say for easy math, you saved up a hundred thousand dollars and you're like, oh, I'm gonna go and buy my dream home and I'm gonna pay a hundred thousand dollars cash because I want all my hard costs eliminated. I don't want any debt, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, fast forward a couple of years, a pandemic happens again. You've got your home, right? You lose your job. You don't have access to any money because you spent all of your money on this home. Now you need other people's money, okay? Now you want a $100,000 loan to smooth you out through this pandemic. Well, guess what the bank is gonna say? Well, Mr. Sir, we don't see any, any uh, we don't see any evidence that you've been able to pay back a $100,000 loan on your credit Unfortunately, even though you have all these assets and you pay your bills on time, there's no evidence that say you're going to pay us back. Mm. You don't have anything on your credit. You have to leverage these things also to build credit because credit is still the name of the game. Funding Mm. is still the name of the game. And while paying cash for something may feel good, it does nothing for you from a strategic perspective. You need to leverage, purchase that same house. Take that same $100,000 that you were going to invest in it Mm -hmm. and put it in a savings account if that makes you feel better or invest it into a hedge fund and you take the profits that you're earning from it every single month to pay your mortgage while that $100,000 is still earning compound interest for you. That strategy that makes you rich forever. And as long as you can access other people's money over and over and over and over again, you'll never go broke. 100%. Absolutely. And that, and it's, again, it's going to be based on your goals for your life. And if you want to accelerate your income, you have to keep leveraging money. Yeah. But some people, their goal is to not have to go make money. Like imagine your house and let's say you're working really, really hard to pay it off and your car, you don't have a note and you got some sort of savings and you don't have to go out there and hustle. And that's the lifestyle you want. I don't want to make $100 million. I don't want to make $50 million. I want to have to be responsible for eating every month yeah. with my family. And that's your goal, yeah. right? So I, 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 don't, I think if we don't have a goal, then we're just going to start taking everybody's advice. And I'm in a different scenario where when I, when I have some money, for some reason, I, I chill a little bit. Tell me more. You chill. If I like say I, I do a, a project with somebody and we make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't be super <laughs> excited. Yo, let's go do it again. We gotta keep grinding. I'm like, man, Dre, where you wanna go? You wanna hang out? You wanna, you wanna where you wanna go? You wanna go to LA? Let's 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 go let's go kick it. Light little two-week break. But when if I invest money and that account get low, I get hungry. Mm-hmm. I get hungry. I'd be trying to figure it out. My team meetings being sent. Listen, y'all know <laughs> when I didn't took some money, yo. Because the last few, I'm, I'd be like, I'd be giving money to Terrica for like real estate, real estate. So if I'm getting more frustrated, I'm like, tight. Y'all feel that energy. The account is getting low. The account is getting low. So when it's up for for me, this is just and I actually got it from uh, Grant Cardone. Grant said, yo, I get a bunch of money, I immediately deploy it into real estate. Because I need to see the account get low because that drives me to go make more money. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think we all have the energy, the ideas, the vision. We got the network. We all getting it. We got the energy to go do that. 
but I know forever, it, it won't happen like that forever. Yep. So my, my philosophy now is whatever money I make, I want to put it into something that pays me a little bit. So that like later, the, the passive income, like let's say like real estate, I want to get a whole bunch of real estate, rental income and all that kind of stuff where it's not like you're going to make 20,000 here, 30,000. You might make a thousand dollars a month from the property. But if you got like 50 of them joints over time where you're taking this digital money that you're making or performance money or you're, you're a speaker, you take some of the money, you're putting it into something that that is going to appreciate but pay you like consistent money because people are always going to need something to, somewhere to live. Yep. Eventually, I don't want to have to go work, make money. Whether y'all watch this podcast or not, I don't care because me and my wife, we still going to have a good life. We're going to kick it. Whether y'all come to an event that I'm doing or buy a product or service, I ain't got to sell that many to live a good life because the passive income outweighs the active income. And that is the ultimate goal. And I think For that's sure. why people invest in like startups and businesses because if I invest enough along the journey while we hot, while we got the energy to go grind, eventually we won't have to do it anymore. Yeah. So on the panel... I discuss a concept that I almost, I never forgot about it, but I haven't talked about it in a while. Okay. And it's from the book, I believe, Richest Man in Babylon. Mm. The concept of how to make money from wherever you are. And I think we should teach this. Mm. So here we go. And I'll lay the foundation that we'll talk about it together, both parts. Ready? How to make money from wherever you are. So the concept in the book, and it literally changed my life because I read it while I was working at the Cheesecake Factory and I said, oh, I get it. And this is what started me on the journey. The book said, we have to take, we have to take some of our income and turn it into what? You don't know? I'm typing. I was getting That's my notes ready. Crazy. Well, we I'll put, put you on our- the book. We have I'll to take some of our income. All right, let me see. Let me see if you read the book. Okay, we pay, take some of our income and we have to turn it into capital. We take a part of our capital, or we take our capital and turn it into what? Assets. No, enterprise. Enterprise. Okay. We take the enterprise, which is an objective. Asset. Go ahead. The objective is to turn it into a profit. Mm-hmm. And we take the profit and turn it into investment. Mm-hmm. Wealth strategy, right there. We'll mm-hmm. walk through it. So we have to take some of our income and turn it into capital. If we have a job where we're making $1,000 a week, $500 a week, that is income. The moment where you take that $1,000 and you say, okay, 10%, I'm going to put it into a jar Mm -hmm. and we're going to label it capital. That $100 added a thousand from your income is now capital. Uh-huh. Over a 10-week period, that jar is going to grow to $1,000. Uh-huh. That $1,000 you can buy a camera with that's going to make you money. Or that $1,000 you can buy apparel to sell or whatever. So right. you have to take part of your income and turn it into capital. So did you have any formula of turning your income into capital? Do I now? No, did you? I'm talking about like while you were working a job, taking some of the income. Oh, for sure. And targeting it as capital. Yeah. Um, so when I was working and I had my clothing store, I'd take some of this is after I lost everything and I was working really off of my $11 an hour, something like that income. I would take I was living with my mom at this time. 
and we I wrote out a list of everything that we needed to start the clothing mm-hmm. store. And whatever I had left from my paycheck, my income, I All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Would look, if it's $50, what on this list can I get with that $50? Mm-hmm. And so we'd order like, you know, clothes, wholesale, things like that. And we turn those things into um, the money that we need. So we put that money aside until we're able mm-hmm. to buy what what we needed for our store. And then once we bought those things that we needed for our store, we then turn those into a profit. For sure. So most people there, you want to be an investor 
or you want to start something, but it's almost like, say there's a camera, a good camera, what? Three to $2,000 with a lens, a thousand, let's just say. If you make $4,000 a month, where are you going to get $3,000 to buy a camera? Bit by bit. Piece by piece. Piece by piece. But because all of the money goes into one account, your income is your income. But as soon as you create some sort of separation, your income becomes now capital. This mm -hmm. is like your capital investment, right? Mm -hmm. So so the first thing you have to deploy is figuring out a way to create separation. I don't care if it's a, a 20%, 30%, 10%. That's what I did when I came home. And I, it was easier for me. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it was easier. <clears throat> it was easier for me because I'll come home with tips from the Cheesecake Factory. I have $200, right? Mm -hmm. Why the camera moving like that? It's that one, actually. Um, but I'll let's say I make $200 from my, my tips for the day. Mm -hmm. I'll take 10% and put it into like this little envelope. Well, out of $200, it's just $20. I'll take another 10% and I'll... I'll put in an envelope for a tithe. I'll right. put another envelope, 10% <clears throat> into savings. Mm -hmm. So now I got these three envelopes. Mm -hmm. Out of the $200, I'm now missing 60. But I'm living or working off $140. What's interesting is once I started making this separation, it didn't seem like I was losing anything. I was mm -hmm. talking to a guy earlier today and he said, yo, I am really bad with... He said, I'm about to have an influx of money and I'm bad with influxes of money because mm. if I have a bunch of money, mm -hmm. it will soon be gone. Mm -hmm. But if you start separating, now the amount that you have is the amount that you will soon lose, spend, whatever, yeah. but you still have these other little buckets growing. Yeah. So from, a, from an individual who is employee's perspective, that's like, creating these buckets, using your envelopes. I did that too. Mm -hmm. uh, from a business owner's perspective, it sounds a lot like the profit first model, mm -hmm. which is what I do in my business. Um, because what most business owners do, ex especially people who are just getting started, you take all your money and you put it in one account and you leave it there. And then you have expenses come and you're living out of that money, right? You're paying your personal bills out of that money. You're paying your business bills, your payroll, anything, your systems and everything. And then when you need, uh, when you need that camera, mm -hmm. you've overspent or you don't have the money or when you have to pay taxes, you don't have the money. And so it's really important to have those accounts set up. I recommend the book. Uh, we're talking about Richest Man of Babylon. I also recommend Profit First for people who need to know how to distribute your money as an entrepreneur 100%. as well, because you'll have like a, a what you'll call a savings account or a profit account where you determine what that profit account is used for. So you may want to take your profits and allocate it to investments, yeah. right? And so you know that if you're taking 20% of the revenue that you bring in each month, I do it on the 1st and the 15th, but if you take 20% of what you're bringing in total and you just have it growing, whether you use it this month or not, you just have it growing in that account when it's time to buy an investment property or that camera or you want to do something nice for yourself, you know that this is how much money you clearly have available yep. um, 
not to play with, but to use at your disposal, like however yeah. you want to use it. Let me tell you what happens more often than not. And I'm sure you'll be able to attest to this. Let's say the camera's 2000. We need a thousand for a lens is $3,000 over a year or so, or six months you've been saving and you need this $3,000. You're going to get to about $2,100 and you know what's going to happen. Mm. Your tire's going to blow out mm. or something that is extremely important where you just have to spend this money that you had in this capital jar. Yeah. You're going to have to spend it. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is if you didn't have this capital jar, you just figure it out or you'll go without the thing or you'll get a friend to drive you to work or something like that because you're tired. Something is going to happen where you're going to have to dig into this account Mm -hmm. Now we have to exercise discipline. Now we have to exercise discipline, but also even more strategy. So I I guess you're talking to the person who's not an entrepreneur yet. For sure. But I am hearing it as an entrepreneur and what you need to be doing as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So to get started, you're an individual, you are employed. And I mean, when I tell you these envelopes help. Oh, man. These envelopes help. So get your envelopes, guys. Get your envelope and mark them for tithes. Mark them. You know, right now it just might be savings, but determine what that savings is for. Um, You might have an envelope for like, you know, your fun, the thing. And that's a real thing, like Mm -hmm. how much you're able to spend because you don't want to take your fun money out of your savings money. Right. You want to have an envelope that says this is how much I can spend this month on food and entertainment and all those things. Whatever those categories are in your envelope for bills and things like that. Um, Then, as David was saying, once you have that one envelope, that's your envelope that you're going to turn into capital. Now you're going to use that and you're going to turn it into something that will yield you more money. Right. Mm -hmm. This is the money that you multiply. Now you're in business. So now as a business owner, we're following the profit first model. We're not dealing with envelopes. We're now dealing with bank accounts. They're still labeled the same way, though. So as you're as a business owner, you know, what's your operating account, what's your tax account, your profit account and the account in which you pay yourself to that goes to your personal account. So for me, I have from my business account, I have a portion that goes into my personal account. But it can't stop there because I like to travel. I like to eat. I like to shop. I like to just give money. And so I have broken down my personal account now into almost like a profit first kind of personal account, making sure that I still have enough money to take care of my personal life. But also what putting money aside in savings for personal investments, things that won't go in the business name. Like you got to break that part down too. So you really know, Um, but also like for emergencies. So when, if a tire goes out, if a car has to go into the shop unexpectedly and there's a large bill that needs to be paid, it's not coming from that savings money that I collected for my business. It's Mm -hmm. coming strictly from my personal account because I divvy up, I pay myself payroll and I divvy that up now too. That is something that I just started this year though, because I noticed like um, I've always, I pay myself in my personal account period, but now divvying that money up is really, really, it makes it really, really clear to see where you're spending money very quickly and how quickly you're draining a certain portion of your money and what you're leveraging it too. And I just kind of had these accounts that I needed to make a decision on, like, do I close these accounts, blah, blah, blah. But it was the history with these accounts. I'm like, I don't want to lose that banking history. Mm -hmm. So I just said, oh, I'll make it this. And then it just kind of like 
snapped to me like you need to do you need to apply the same kind of logic that you do with your business accounts to your personal accounts. 100 mm-hmm. percent. So after we take that income and we allocate some to capital, we want to take that capital and deploy it into enterprise, meaning start a business. Start but a business. before we invest in the thing that we're going to invest in through this journey, you should be investing in yourself for sure. First. Because somebody actually asked the question, okay, I've got money, but I want to invest the money into something that's going to make me more money. And there was a lot of answers thrown around. Okay, you can invest in this, you can invest in that. But I think the first thing, and it's going to sound very cliche, you know what my answer is going to be? Personal development. Investing yourself. Mm-hmm. Investing your ability to invest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Than just investing in the investment. Because if you don't know anything about the investment, if you don't know how... The process of like saving us money for to get a camera, you should be investing at least time into like understanding how to get clients when you get this camera or yeah. understanding how to be a good photographer even before you get it. Start hanging around and you might have to take some of that capital and invest it in education mm-hmm. because that's going to be just as important as getting the thing. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. So. I believe investing in your personal development is absolutely first, absolutely first, because just having the money to invest in a business and actually investing it in a business doesn't guarantee a profit right then and there. The first thing that you need to invest in is is yourself, because putting this money in these buckets and saying, okay, now I have the capital to deploy. What's the word that you used? Into enterprise, meaning start a business. Businesses are not typically profitable in the beginning. That's a fact. And if your mindset doesn't match your, if your mindset isn't in check, it will make you quit faster than you need to quit, right? Oh, I lost money. I I went and spent all this money on inventory and I didn't sell anything. But with the proper personal development, you'll know how to make certain tweaks. You'll know how to approach things differently and, you know, make better decisions than you would if you don't. So, It's really, really important. I believe that the reason that most entrepreneurs fail is because you don't invest enough in your personal development. 100%. I think people put so much into the thing that they're holding and not their ability to hold it. Or like, you got to really put um, your, it's like buying a thousand dollar basketball. It's not going to yield you much, but if you really learn how to play basketball with any ball, you'll make way more money. You know what I mean? Like your ability to handle the thing, right? Mm -hmm. To start a business. So in this process of like you're saving this money for capital before you invest, you should really be investing in yourself and your ability to operate. So then you will have this enterprise, you'll have this business, you'll have it set up, you got an actual business, which yields all types of tax benefits and things of that nature. Now we have to make a profit. Like how you, how you view money. So I remember working at the Cheesecake Factory where I, I mean, you, you do a good job and then you make some money and it just goes with the rest of it. I just put it in my account. I'm like, oh, wow, I got a thousand dollars in my account. And I looked at money as a way to pay my bills. And the more I have, the more cool stuff that I can do, right? But I, I would, I'd be interested in knowing how you all view money, especially Daniel. Okay. The difference between, is there a difference between, what, what culture are you, first off? Culture. Yeah. What, 
What nationality? I have a Romanian nationality and I have United States nationality. So you're Romanian though? I spent my first 18 years there, yes. Okay, gotcha. What's the difference between... Okay, where, where do you see Americans, okay? How do you feel most Americans view money? The question is very broad. So, uh, first of all, when we say Americans, America is so diverse. We have people from everywhere. Some people travel internationally. Some people don't. But when it comes to money, we only have one currency here, the United States dollar. Um, and most people see it as a utility, just something that you transfer your effort in this little paper that you give to somebody else to pay your rent with. And uh, that's, that's about it. But once you get to investing level, the little bill, if you park enough of them, will give you the ability not to have to work anymore. And that's the magic in it. So um, your question is a little bit too broad. It is broad. Because America is so complex and so organically evolving. And, but you hear, you have, go ahead. Are you familiar with black culture? To some extent, depending what black culture. My wife is black, but she's Colombian. Yeah. So uh, you know. But do do you ever do you ever see the differences in how people use their money between black culture, white culture? Absolutely. What are some differences? Asian. Like, what are some differences that you see from an international standpoint or cultural standpoint? You're strictly talking about black people from different places. Yeah, give me that. Okay. Or, well, just, or just different cultures, period. Urban culture. Urban. So I, I, I'm going to qualify the question. The reason I'm trying to Sure. Get so I went to this mastermind and... I went to this mastermind, right? And it was all like wealthy people and it was probably 250 people in the room. All of them white. There was like two or three people, black people in this room. And nobody had a chain on. Nobody had diamonds in their watch or nothing like that. So I actually tucked my chain. Like, I was around. I was like, hey, I can't, right? I was not wearing as well. You know what I mean? I used to see no Gucci bucket hats and no, I used to know Louis Prince or nothing. I'm like, dang. Anyhow. Yeah, so I, I'm interested in how different cultures use their money. So from your perspective, how do black people use their money? Vanity. <laughs> Lots of vanity. A lot of vanity. From the red carpet to the club to making donations to have the first seat in the church. To, but but there's, there's the black version because white Americans do the same thing. You can have a big white house in Alpharetta, but work three jobs and never be at home. Mm. So it's, it's the same thing. And uh, it just, yeah. <laughs> vanity. Which is the most human, the most human thing, because we do it in, in different way. Um, my personal life has been, when I first found out that I got a completely undeserved scholarship to study in the United States, my grandfather told me that, look, before you learn English, you have to learn the tax system. And um, <laughs> once you get here, you have to remember two things. Money make money and people make money. 
And the quickest you can move from the second to the first, the better it is. Now, some of you have won the genetic lottery and maybe have been raised by family that taught you about investing, taught you about saving, taught you about uh, having that pile of cash that it's always there for a few months ahead. I had to learn through experience. I came in America with $200. I lost twice everything. But at one point or another, I realized, you know, I have 10 years with my business. I'm making a lot of money. But if I stop, the money stopped coming. And that's the moment the light came on. I started reading about value investing, a lot of Warren Buffett books. And uh, little by little, I started putting absolutely everything I have with a big sense of urgency into things that make me money. And it is only now that I actually realized that in a way or another, I got there. Last year, COVID, I got hit like a lot of people. And I had eight months with foggy brain. I literally had one year, complete year that I took off. And um, the choice that I made a few years ago about investing made it possible the last year I didn't lose my home. And that today I can start over because, well, he's paying me interest. Uh, <laughs> and a few other people the same way. And uh, so I hope that in some way answers your question. Yeah, I appreciate that. Kenneth, how do, you, how do you view money as a whole? To me, because this is all I do every day, um, money is a tool. It is a it's all it is. Now, humans, we place emotions toward this tool. And sometimes those emotions can lead us to do amazing things. Sometimes those emotions can lead us to do not so smart things. Um, but ultimately, it is a tool. Um, so I have a unique position because I get to see, I get to see the real deal. When people are on Instagram and flashing and all the driving the nice beautiful cars and all the beautiful pieces of jewelry and things of that right. sort. No, no, I'm not no, I'm, I'm saying the second round, I'm taking this off. I'm okay, not saying saying with you. But when they come to someone like us, like me, and we have to see everything, we've got to see bank statements and credit reports and in some cases tax returns. So we will see your entire essentially financial balance sheet. We know what it's gonna look like. So you can't necessarily quote unquote front on us because we have to see it. Some folks will essentially use that cash for to do things that I just necessarily don't understand, but it is what it is. But it is a tool. And we I'll let Shinsi share with our investors, hey, look, at the end of the day, everyone has an opportunity to use this tool to create more wealth for yourself. Ultimately, investing is a function of taking measured steps, calculated steps, getting advice from people who've actually done it before and just going out to the market and really doing it. And so we want to make sure that people truly understand that. But it is a tool. And I learned that a long time ago. Take the emotion out of it. Look at the rate of, look at what this investment is going to generate for you and your family. I also, I, I invest in land. So I love land. It's a, not a sexy product. It's not something a lot of people talk about. It's not something people really have an interest in. But to me, it's something that I just love doing. Um, and the reason for that is I do exactly what um, Daniel does, seller financing land. And noticing that just 
having these pieces of land allows you to really be able to kind of take off time whenever you need it to. But it truly is just a tool. Take the emotion out of it. Understand that there is good and bad things that can come out of this using this tool. And if you can do that, um, you'll do well. Um, and if you just keep doing it. And it's also you just got to keep doing it. It's consistency. You know, just like I think you said earlier, you know, one of my favorite shows is Shark Tank. Mr. Wonderful says, hey, look, money is like some little soldiers. We want to put those shoulders out every day and we want more soldiers to come back in. It's very similar. There's no difference to that. I like I like huh? I want to share the pot a little bit. Share the pot. Good. <laughs> Tell right. me real quick, have, can, can admit that um, for a good portion of your life, you had a, a, a backwards view of money. I know for a long time, if you get, let's say like your taxes come back, you get a windfall of money. We look at it like all of the things that I can buy. <laughs> it's funny, but right? Like we get the money, we're like, do we need a new car? And then your car ain't good enough. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you get it like, oh my gosh, I need a new car. I just need one. <laughs> now that you got money. Two weeks ago, you were just driving that joint with the water in the back seat. So you can... Go ahead. No, nah, so I'm going to stir the pot a little bit. I hate money. Um, hate and, money? Yeah, I do. So, well, it, it's because it's debt. So debt for poor people is destruction. Debt for wealthy people is the blueprint, right? So it's three phases, right? Earn it, grow it, protect it, right? So let's just hypothetically talk about Jeff Bezos, right? So the whole goal is if I got equity in a company, or if I got stock. So if I take the money, no matter how much money I make, I'm getting rid of 98% of it, like ASAP. I got to get it away from me mm. because I got to put it somewhere that's going to grow. If it's sitting in my account and the attorney general get pissed off at me or something, they snatching it. But if I got it somewhere in private equity funds that's dancing around for me, I can always have enough credit. So let's say Jeff Bezos has 16% equity in, in um, Amazon. So his net worth will be billions. So if he goes to try to pull $5 billion, they're going to hit him for half of it. Why wouldn't he take and get a loan against the equity for $5 billion, right? So now that loan, you're getting all of that. And then you're getting to write off the interest and you didn't have to pull the money to get half of it taken. So now what the wealthy do is they take the money, make it dance, then they protect it, then get loans against the protection. And then they write off the interest of those loans so they never lose half their money. Wow. This is why, why I'm glad we're having this conversation because, like, you guys see money in a different way. It's like a complex formula, kind of. It fits. I'd be interested in knowing how you look at money. If you got somebody paid you $10,000 for something. So, <clears throat> of course, I'm crypto guy. So, um, when I think about money, like you said, when you first get introduced to money, you don't really understand it. Um, and I think a lot of people confuse money and currency, and they're two different things. Right. Uh, so, so money, on a fundamental level, money is a store of value, unit of exchange. Um, it needs to be um, fungible, right? It needs to be easily transferable, right? Those are the qualities of money. So anything that you have that fits within those fundamental qualities is technically money. Currency is a representation of money that you know, is typically fiat currency from a government or something like that to help you easily get around, right? So when we think about money, gold was the most recent form of money. It was difficult 
to move around with money. So ultimately, banks came and said, hey, we'll hold those, that, that, that gold for you. We'll hold that money, right? And we'll let you, we'll give you these notes so that you can easily transact in the market. And that's where the currency came from, Ooh. right? But the money is, was the gold, right? So when I look at money, when I think of money, I think of it from a fundamental standpoint. So when we think of, so, so it, it's always funny to me when people are like, oh yeah, I sold my Bitcoin. Right. When they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, when do I sell it? Right. Bitcoin is one of money. Real money is an asset. Right. Why would you sell an asset like Derek said? The wealthy don't sell assets. We borrow against it. That Lamborghini outside, I borrowed against Bitcoin. What do you mean? You I put Bitcoin up in the same way. You know, these guys borrow against these private equity funds. I borrowed against my stash of Bitcoin. How did you do that, though? So I got a little bit of Bitcoin. It's like a, <laughs> so, so, a whole so, coin. Right? <laughs> I'll, I'll explain. So let's say you have a piece of property. Let's say you have real estate. Let's say your, 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 your property is paid off. It's worth $500,000, right? You now have equity. If you wanted to pull some of that equity out, you would go to a bank or a lender and say, hey, I'll give you this, this, this note or a piece of paper that, 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 that serves as collateral. And I want you to give me some liquid cash. It's still my building right for now, as long as I pay you that interest. But now I got this building and I got this, this liquid capital that I can go and purchase more assets with. Hmm. So instead of selling Bitcoin, instead of selling Ethereum, you borrow against it. So money to me is transforming literally every day because I've never seen a form of money that you can borrow against, go and earn, and then and then use that receipt that you're using to earn to go earn more. Wow. So you can so one form of money can be used three or four different times to go out and work for you. So you're maximizing that potential of smart money. That's okay. I got Matt, okay, so on the Lamborghini, right? You have <laughs> you got Bitcoin. Who gave you the money? Who gave you the greenbacks? Because I don't know if it's money or currency. Currency. Who gave it? How did you buy it without selling your Bitcoin? Who gave you that? So there's there's a few different companies. Um, there's 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 traditional companies like BlockFi. We'll do it. That's who I used. Um, but you can do it in a decentralized way as well. But even the traditional side, once you over collateralize a loan, it's very easy to make that loan happen. Right. Because plain over collateralized because I'm meaning, trying to help Joe. You don't really. <laughs> so over collateralized, <laughs> meaning if I want to borrow fifty thousand dollars, I need to have seventy five thousand or uh, worth of value that I'm giving you or one hundred thousand dollars worth of value. Right. Because if you're going to hold that collateral that's worth seventy five or one hundred thousand, if I default on that fifty thousand, guess what you got? Seventy five thousand or one hundred thousand dollars worth of value, whatever that is. What you be doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. But and, and just like what he's doing, once again, like I said earlier, it's very difficult for the lower class to make that plight to become wealthy when you got to jump through all these hurdles to find real estate deals to find um, business deals versus you can go on cash app and buy Bitcoin. And now you have one of the top perform. You have the top performing asset for the past 10 years. 
I like that. Okay, y'all got it? Are we wheels turning? Good, good, good. Okay, Terry, money. To me, money is a gift and money is ministry. You know? Gift and ministry. Mm Mm-hmm. Money is a gift and money is ministry. So I believe that everything that I have comes from God. It's a gift. And then it has to go out. Like it has to be actually moving to your point of like every 90, 98%. Like to me, first of all, I have to be a good steward of it. If, if 70% of what I have gotten is not actually like in my accounts or moving for me, then I did something wrong. If I just spent it on something frivolous that actually isn't building up anything for me, then something's wrong. Like I, I looked at my accounts recently and I was like, you know, I've made this much over the last three years and the accounts only have this much. What happened to the rest? So it's a gift that we need to steward well. And then I think of, um, you know, I'm a Bible girl, but in the in the word, it says that Jesus was doing ministry and there were some women with him and they were funding the ministry out of their resources. So I feel like as we get this money, it's now our job to actually use it to build ministry and build people, build the word of God, get it extended to other places. And we're just called to be good stewards of it. 